Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. This episode is with Susan Kalechi Watson, who you may know from her amazing, amazing role on This Is Us, but she also made her Broadway debut back in 2005, and then her TV and film career just exploded from there. Uh, We actually get into why she went that route more than theater, because as we were talking, she was saying that she just can't let theater go. She always comes back. She's always doing as much theater as she can, and she's obviously on stage right now through September 18th in the Shakespeare in the Park comedy Merry Wives, but as she puts it, she just got more yeses than noes in the TV and film space, so that's where she went, and it's a great example of making the best of every opportunity that's presented to you, and she's a first-generation Jamaican. She has a great thought on how she feels responsible for maintaining the accurate representation of her culture, and we had a wonderful conversation about all of that. Make sure to find me on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast on Facebook slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating and a review before you start listening. And now, everybody, please enjoy this episode with Susan Kalechi Watson. Here you go. One, two, three. My guest today is helping us feel great about live theater again. She may be best known for her role as Beth Pearson in This Is Us, but she made her Broadway debut in 2005 in A Naked Girl on the Apian Way before moving into an amazing TV and film career, including NCIS, Law & Order, The Good Wife, Louie, Veep, Billions, and The Blacklist, among many others. Additional off-Broadway credits include The Twelfth Night and A Raisin in the Sun. She starred as Andrea Vogel in the Fred Rogers biopic, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, alongside this little guy known as Tom Hanks. And she can now be seen in the amazing Shakespeare in the Park comedy, Merry Wives, playing now through September 18th, Susan Kalechi. Watson, welcome to the theater podcast. Wow, thank you, thank you. I need to walk around with you just wherever I go. <laughs> <laughs> you could get me a free cup of coffee or something. I mean, thank wait, wait, you. Wait, wait, wait. Do you notice how to pronounce your middle name? Give this lady a cup of coffee. You don't know what she's doing. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So good to be here. Uh, thank you for joining us. I, I'm a big fan, and reviews for Merry Wives. Uh, are I don't normally talk about reviews, but they're great. You are getting so much praise for this role. Thank you. And and you are helping bring live theater back. And that's actually, I think, where we should start here because yeah. we're coming out of COVID. I put in air quotes because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> but it looks like theater's returning. It looks like Broadway's reopening. All these things are happening. And then you're in the midst uh, of this wonderful production uh, outside of Shakespeare in the Park. Uh, I guess, how are you feeling coming back into the scene? Because you're primarily TV and film in the first place, but also you're coming back into the theater scene after not having any theater what does this go what is this like for you i it's the best feeling it's it's i've done this now <laughs> with film television and now theater because last summer during the height of the pandemic we shot a film based on tanahasi coates book with hbo called between the world and me and then um i did a uh 
TV show that I've been on for a while now, This Is Us. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first shows to come back, you know, after the pandemic. That was literally one of the first shows to come back. And now, like, this is the first theater back. So I'm like, okay. I felt felt okay. I felt like, all right, I've, I've done this twice now. I think I know how to, you know, stay as safe as I can. And and I just, you know, New York is, is my love, you know, it's, it's, you know, he's my boyfriend. And so to be able to bring uh, theater back and having missed it so much, it's so much a part of my life. Um, just not just in acting, but like my, what I, it's like a hobby to go to the theater. It's, it's like what we do. It's part of the conversation of uh, being a New York artist and to have that completely be eliminated um, in a live, you know, in a live presence in the way that it was for the past, you know, for 15 and a half months, 16 months was crazy to me because I've said this before, but I'll say it again. It's like, in that industry, it's like the show must go on. Like nothing, nothing stops theater, like nothing. I mean, like you could be on, you know, desk door and maybe you call your understudy. Like it's like, (laughs) you know, so it's just, it's, it's, it was very, um, you know, a strange place to be. Um, and every night we, we do this little opening to the show for those of you who's going to join us, who have already joined us, you've seen it, but there's this call and response section with the drummer comes out and does this whole thing. And then afterwards we say, you know, what's up New York. We're so happy you're here as we usher in live theater back to New York city. And it gets this huge applause and we're on stage cheering too. And it's amazing because you could feel the people in the crowd are just like, yes, this is my first theater, <laughs> you know, in a, in a year plus, this is their first theater. That's their first time coming back. And um, it just feels like a, amazing to be a part of. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I, I went um, to the premiere of The Show Must Go On, that movie premiere inside The Majestic uh, uh-huh. recently. And it, mm-hmm. it was the first time, first time in, yeah, 16, 17, 18 months. I, f- I don't even know how long it is anymore at this point that I've set foot inside a real theater like this mm-hmm. and just, the, the, just that feeling and that energy and you know you get that that little smell maybe it's a little bit musty but it's <laughs> undeniably new york theater you yeah. know what i mean yeah 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 no that's that's the good stuff that's the yeah. good must <laughs> so <laughs> well being being outside merry wives um it's I think it's kind of a different experience too, because I mean, you're outside anyway, and it's, it's, you're in the heat and whatnot, but Mm -hmm. um, I think I would be more comfortable as an actor being outside, of course, in the midst of COVID and all this stuff, but I'm going inside is a different, a completely different animal. Um, Are, uh, do you have any, uh, I guess, anxiety or, or did you have any hesitation about kind of getting back into the, into the swing of things um, and just being in front of all of these people that, I mean, now, now, right. You know, the mandate is you can't get in unless you're, you're, you prove that you're vaccinated. But mm-hmm. I suspect when you were in, in talks to start joining the cast and even rehearsals, maybe mm-hmm. that hadn't even come out yet. Right. So. Yeah. Alan, the crazy thing is that when we were first starting, they only we could uh, we started with the audience had to be only 428 people so the capacity just to give you an idea of that uh theater is about close to 1900 mm. okay so four less, 20, than a fourth. Yeah, less than a fourth right 
And we thought, you know, okay, at least we get that. Like, I remember thinking, all right, well, at least we get that. And, and I was kind of sad about it because it was at the moment where things were opening back up. This is before the Delta variant and things were kind of opening back up and mm -hmm. they were like, you could take off your mask. Everybody was getting vaccinated. And, um, and I kept thinking, man, I wish we could like open it up. You know what I mean? It's like, there's like 1500 more seats, you know? And then we got the news that it, they were going to fully open the theater and we could have at least a 1500 people in there. And I promise you, I ran across the rehearsal room floor. I did a full lap <laughs> because I was so excited because I just felt so excited for the show. And, you know, and at that stage, I didn't even know how I would, you know, I, I, I needed so much more rehearsal at that point. I, you know, I mean, I couldn't see the beginning from the end in terms of what my performance was going to be, but I felt so strongly about the show. I felt so strongly about the people in the room and what we were doing and the energy that we were bringing to it. I just wanted, I really wanted the opportunity to share it um, with as many people as we could. So I don't think I had the anxiety. I do all the things, you know, I've, I've been vaccinated. I do the masking. I do the sanitizing. I wipe things down. I'm not all up in people's faces. I still kind of distance. I'm not a big hugger anymore. I'm not so much on the handshakes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I come from like a very medically steeped family. My brother's a doctor <laughs> of emergency medicine. My mom's a nurse, um, you know, cousins and all this kind of stuff. So I kind of get firsthand information about this stuff and, and have come really familiar with testing myself, you know, before people were testing themselves, I was testing myself. I had that kind of access. So I just um, didn't have necessarily the same anxiety um, about doing it that way. And we were outside. So I felt like this is great. And they, did, they have distance seating for people who haven't been vaccinated and, and everyone has to mask regardless of vaccination status. So, you know, they're doing the, really the best they can to make sure that this that this happens. And as we know in our show, it might happen anyway. But there's so many backup plans now that are in place because mm -hmm. COVID is such a real possibility that it's not necessarily knocking people off their feet anymore because they have a plan B in place if it does happen. And of course, we want everybody to be healthy and everybody to stay safe. So it's not taking it lightly, but it's finding a way through this that the show can once again still go on, you know? Yeah, I, w I was going to say, too, I'm glad that you didn't have to open to, to 400 people because a comedy <laughs> in, in a space that big with that few people, that, right. that few number of people, that would have been, I, think, <laughs> I think that would have been more depressing to me right. than, than worrying mean, about all this other stuff. On, every, on any given night, not everybody laughs, right? So there's going to be at least 400 people who did not laugh at that joke. Imagine <laughs> if it was like that set of 400 people. <laughs> like you got the one set that's right. like, mm -mm. <laughs> there's real one for, like no nah, we didn't get that one it's like damn yeah so <laughs> i love it and the show the show is different too it's a it's a different take uh on the show it's set in south harlem i'm gonna right. read the the bio, the bio here set in yeah. south harlem amidst a vibrant and eclectic community of west african immigrants mm -hmm. mary wives is a new york story about the tricks and the of the heart performed in the heart of cities central park's magical delacourt theater yeah, a, a, a spinoff featuring the Bard's most beloved comic characters. Like, this is, it's set in Harlem. Shakespeare, yeah, set yeah. in Harlem. Yeah, right? Love it. That yeah, sounds it's amazing. So cool. Yeah, it's on 116th Street, really, is where it's set. And the, the set actually um, is heavily influenced by a, um, a street in, on 116th Street. So a lot of the, the, you know, my niece and nephew can, I'll tell you, the most beautiful thing 
uh, Jalen and John came and they were like, they loved it. Auntie Sue, we love this. No, this was amazing. Like this was it, you know? And I thought, wow, my, my niece and nephew get to experience Shakespeare for the first time in a laundromat. Like the set, part of the set is in a laundromat, mm-hmm. you know, a hair braiding salon, like, you know, a, a doctor's, a doctor in Harlem's clinic. Like that's how they get to encounter Shakespeare with somebody riding across on a city bike. I was like, you know, you got to love that. You got to love the ability to adapt it to um, the times, which is how Shakespeare wrote. He wrote very much in the time, in the moment. And Jocelyn's beautiful, hysterical uh, adaptation does the same thing. I I love it because I, I sort of equate this, uh, the scenario to what Hamilton's doing for a lot of, a lot of people who potentially wouldn't have ever gotten into theater or even mm-hmm. musical theater specifically, mm-hmm. right? So when you bring something as, I guess, reputationally stuffy as a Shakespeare play, mm-hmm. right? So you're mm-hmm. like, oh God, Shakespeare, I don't want to learn Shakespeare. But mm-hmm. then you set it, you reimagine it, set it in Harlem, like you said, set it in laundromat, you got your city bikes, you've got your 116th Street references. Mm-hmm. I think it makes theater and the arts so much more accessible to to people that uh, are, I guess, interesting, yeah. accessible and interesting to a group of people that may have never even given it a second thought, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that like that's the fun of theater? I feel like that's what theater does. It's like let's bring this this uh, moment in life that you may not normally access, or you may not have that much experience with. Let's let's just put it in front of you for a little while, and then ask you to like, what do you identify with? Like, what do you connect with? Like, you know, where does this speak to you? And then it's like that communal thing of like, oh, we're all in this together. Like we all have like something that ties us and and that we can feel like um, is similar in each other. And that's why we missed it so much because you, you know, you can, you do that the best in person, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of, um, it's such a communal thing. And I remember Sahim Ali, our, our, amazing director who um, put this whole thing together. This was his concept, his idea, brought these beautiful, generous people into this room. So, you know, he's like a really extraordinary leader. Um, He was, uh, he said, he was like, I just can't wait to hear people laugh all together. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we've been laughing alone, you know what I mean? Maybe one person next to you, whatever. But like the chorus of people laughing is going to be like something really cool. And that, that has been really cool. It's a shared journey. It's a shared emotional journey with strangers. That's what I, I say this so many times uh, in these episodes is, mm-hmm. is that I, I just love the emotional journey you go on with a room full of people you've never met. You're all in the same place. You're all focused and present, except for the one one or two people, you know, on their phones, but we don't care about them. Uh, but, but in the audience, we will destroy them. No. We will destroy you. And the, so you're, you're, you're with this group of people that you laugh together, you cry together, you bond over this stuff. And I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a micro example, I think, of, you know, you always say like New, New York strong, right? But like New Yorkers yeah. all hate each other. New Yorkers can't stand each other. And then as soon as something <laughs> happens, it's like, oh, New York, everybody's got each other's back. Right. Because yeah. shared experience. Exactly. And that's what, that's what theater brings. And God, I missed it so much. I cannot yeah. wait for, for all this stuff to come back to. And and I can I mean, I, I always ask 
uh, people like yourself who have a strong TV and film uh, a focus, you know, why do you keep coming back to theater? But I think I should stop asking that because <laughs> I, I know why, right? Yeah. Like you're, you can't, what we were just talking about, you can't beat this experience mm-hmm. of rehearsing and putting up a show and yeah. you're doing something once a night that will never ever be done exactly like that again. Right. Yeah, never with the same people exactly in that same way, timing again. I love that. It's like Snapchat or something. I don't know. It's just like you do it and it disappears. You know what I mean? Like I love that life. <laughs> right. Well, how do you how do you compare it then to like to This Is Us, right? So you've mm-hmm. been fortunate enough to be five seasons on this amazing show that mm-hmm. is deeply touching, deeply emotional. And and the show, you know, the show is amazingly successful. A lot of people don't get that kind of success. They don't get to experience that. So you've been, uh, you know, successful on the TV side and you've done this great, you know, great movie stuff as well. You've worked with Tom Hanks, which I mean, who's that guy? He's going places. Keep your eye on him. <laughs> um, work with Tom Hanks. And then, but you come back to theater, right? Yeah. And so I guess. And so did Tom Hanks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what is it? What is it for you specifically that speaks to you that that keeps you coming back to this sort of thing? Mm. It's just one of my loves. I just love it. There's no real explanation or anything that I can point to. I just love it. Um, I love the work of it. I love the figuring out of it. I love that you really don't know. Even though this will piss me off at one point in rehearsal or another, like that I don't know how it's gonna like how my performance is going to turn, like I'm finding it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's, that's, that sounds so lovely when you first start out, you know, just find it, you know what I mean? And then you're into rehearsal, you're like, why ain't I found it yet? You know what I mean? Like, what, <laughs> what is this? You know, <laughs> can I still do this? You know, but all of that stuff is like such a, a great part of it. Um, oh God, I don't know. It's magic. I don't know. Something about it. It's like forever sprinkled with like some kind of, you know, pixie dust or, you know, it's just, it's a blessing to me. I, I honestly, I, um, I, I don't know how else to say it. And the funny thing is, I feel like, you know, God bless him. I feel like nobody was like calling me or call, hiring me for theater. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I kind of, mm-hmm. in a way it's, I just got more yeses in TV, you know, uh, in the beginning, it ju- I just did. And so I don't know, you know, what was the reasoning behind that, but that's just the way it was. And so people assume like, maybe I didn't want to do it or they assume that, you know, Hollywood sort of took over, but I think that was just an assumption. I've I've always loved it and always want to do it and continue to want to do it. And, you know, this, this summer uh, we've had so many different setbacks and obstacles. We've had a cast injury. We've had, COVID, uh, a COVID case that sent Mm -hmm. a few people home. Uh, We've had rain, like you would not believe, uh, throughout (laughs) a tech. We couldn't even finish tech. We had to keep teching into previews. You know, it was like we've had so many of these obstacles, and I was so tired. We all were because we're working in 95-degree heat and then doing a show at night and sometimes postponing it because of the rain. And so we're doing it later at night. It's all these things. And I remember you know, coming home, uh, visiting my parents and my brother's there and I'm beat down, you know, and I knew it, but I wanted to see everybody and say hi. And they were like, Ooh, you look tired. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, 
I bet you won't do this again kind of thing. You won't, go, you know, and I said, no, I definitely will. I can promise you I will. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm for sure I will. So that just tells you. <laughs> maybe, you know, actors, I'm speaking for myself, just a glutton for punishment. I, mm-hmm. I'm i in it. I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I cannot wait to get past the rehearsal or get into the, the routine so I can relax a little bit. And then when it all leaves, when it's all over, I, I just miss every single minute of it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I just want, I want it to come back. And it's, it's like, you got to feel the pain of the rehearsals and the tech and the postponements of the 95 degree heat. So then when it goes right, I feel like you have perspective on that much more. It feels mm-hmm. that much better. And it's that, that, what is it? Dopamine, it's serotonin, whatever case is going on in your brain, right? <laughs> yeah. That that you just feel incredible because you've gone on a journey and made new friends and made people feel things and learn more about yourself. And it's yeah, live theater. <laughs> Full yeah. stop. Can't do that. <laughs> I agree. Listen, pot kettle, you know, choir preacher, whatever you want to say. I agree. Mm, I'm mm. with you on it 150%. So you are first generation Jamaican mm-hmm. born in Brooklyn. I'm in I'm in Borum Hill. Are you were you born close to me? No, I was born in East New York, uh, Brooklyn. Well, I'm from East New York, Brooklyn. Um mm-hmm. uh, born in Coney Island, actually. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, so you know, all of that and you know, spent part of my life growing up uh, in Brooklyn and then Long Island. And then I moved back to Brooklyn and have been here. Um, pretty much ever since. I mean, I, I still, you know, shoot in LA and I spend time in LA or when I'm on location somewhere, I go and do that. Of course, I went away to college and all that kind of stuff. But Brooklyn has been my home base, you know, for 20 years. So, hmm. yeah, I was going to ask about that because This Is Us is is shot in LA. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but I, I was thinking you were, you know, more New York based and more, I don't, there's something about when I was researching the things you did, I was, uh, things you did, I was like, yeah, this, this lady, she's definitely, she's, she's not leaving. You can't, you right. can't take the New York out of this one. <laughs> Absolutely. But your, yeah. your, your parents, um, so did they immigrated from Jamaica? Yeah, they did. And um, funny thing is that they actually had planned to go back um, and they were buying a house and, uh, when my mom was pregnant with me, the, the, the plan was to go back. They wow. actually, yeah. And I, I still, I don't quite get the story of why they stayed. I think I've asked that and it never quite seems clear. It always just kind of ended up like, I guess we just kind of ended up staying. But I, I feel like there was like a reason, because I know they were buying a house and all this kind of stuff. So my two older brothers are born in Jamaica. My, my, my younger brother and I are born here in Brooklyn. And so um, it's, it's very... Um, you know, I always think like, I, you know, I could have been Jamaican born, um, but it just kind of turned out that way. So I'm first generation. Uh, I'm a first generation kid, you know, first generation of the Americans uh, to come. So uh, it's a special thing, though. It's a, it's so special. I love, you know, my my homeland. I love being Jamaican. I really wouldn't pick any other ethnicity. I think it's so special. Um, but it, it does um, also because I'm first generation, I know how important it is for people's culture to be reflected in a very kind of specific way and, and, and for it to be really kind of taken care of. Like, you know, when you represent people, you want to take care of that responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so it was, 
I wouldn't say it's an added pressure. I, I wouldn't say it was a pressure. Uh, responsibility is a better word. It felt like my responsibility for this to do that, um, being that I probably have relatives descended from Nigeria because, you know, the Igbo tribe was very present in uh, Jamaica. So um, I'm sure if I did that research, I met my grandmother who was from, my great grandmother who was from Africa, and I did not uh, remember where she's from or if I even specifically asked that because I met her so long ago. But, um, but it was important to like, get, it's important to get all that stuff right. But because I'm from somewhere that is so specific and I've, and I've had people try to, you know, represent that and, and, and not, not do the best job of it to be quite honest with you. Uh, you know, it felt like mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it, it, it brought me closer to that to that, um, to the Nigerian culture, because I wanted to make sure I, I at least was getting some of the stuff right. You know, is, isn't, um, your character in Mary Wives, that's the Nigerian, she has to have a Nigerian accent, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I was, I heard you talking about something, um, in another interview uh, specifically about representing the culture and representing the, the accent and not getting Mm -hmm. it wrong because so many people just do these things. So, poorly (laughs) and and what was the story that you sent your script to some friends with a nigerian accent you were like read this for me i did i sure did i sent it to Kay oyegun who's uh, one of the writers on this is us and i sent it to yvonne orgy who you may know from insecure her stand-up comedy and Mm -hmm. um and you know i was like hey y'all um I'm doing this thing. And they're like, oh, okay, go. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to send you this script. Can you read it and, rec- and record and send it back to me? And they're like, wait, how much script we read? <laughs> you know, and I said, you know, I gave it to them, you know, and um, they they were so good about it. Like they read it and they, they would reread it. They give a little different take on it. They take a, you know, breath. And so everything that they read for me, they read a few times, you know, and there is still this line reading that I have taken from exactly the way that Kay said it. And it just says, uh, she also gave me this thing, Oya, which they say is like a, I don't know if you call it colloquialism or whatever. And um, when I brought that to rehearsal, Benga Akinabe, who plays um, Mr. Ford, my husband, mm-hmm. he said, when I said Oya, he said he couldn't believe it. He was like, oh, my gosh, how did she know that? That's not in the script. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they they kind of gave me a cheat sheet. You know, I went in there like extra Nigerian. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, there's this line that Kay said. It's like, give me what she said. Give me some counsel, you know, and I said that crazy right now because I need to rev up. But it was the way the rhythm of it. And I kept the rhythm of it and um, things like that gave me that I, I kept the rhythm of because I could hear that was there their natural rhythm. And then we had uh, Donna Lean, who was uh, the vocal, I'm sorry, the um, dialect coach for our show. And she's fantastic. She, she started with me early before we started rehearsals. She said, one day you won't need me anymore. And I, and I never thought that day would come, but it came. So that was a testimony to everybody who helped me and, and watching a million Nigerian movies a night. I was Nollywooded out. <laughs> I was telling Jocelyn about movies they hadn't heard of. I was like, listen, yeah, every every night for about a month and a half, the only thing I watched was something Nigerian. 
Um, <laughs> That's yeah. so good. I yeah. love I love that you committed yourself to that because you could have easily just been like, all right, I got the part. Obviously, you're going to give me a dialect <laughs> coach, uh-huh. and I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. But you took it you took it one step further and just committed yourself more than I think maybe a lot of people would. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You want to represent this culture because, again, going back to being first-generation Nigerian, you, mm-hmm. you don't want to lose, I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit, but it, like you don't want to lose that Jamaican culture here in the U.S., right? Yeah, well, I, I you know, I, for all intents and purposes, grew up Jamaican. You know, like in my household, I don't think there's, except that we were American, you know, we we're in America, but um, my great-grandmother also was very instrumental in raising me as well. So I had my mom, my dad, and my great grandmother, and um, who also raised my mom, you know. And so, all I heard was a Jamaican dialect. All I heard was patois or a Jamaican dialect or Jamaican accent. Um, you know, the music we listened to was uh, of Jamaican West Indian descent. Part of my family is Trinidadian, so it was either you know reggae, soca, um, calypso type situation. When we did listen to American music, it was probably like, you know, um, whatever was kind of popping in the, in the eighties, but I didn't listen to like a lot of soul music, I guess, you know, until Mm -hmm. later in college when I got around like Americans who, if you were doing a throwback, then you listen to this music. And I, I'll never forget being at college and everybody was, you know, dancing and singing to like throwback music. And I didn't know the songs. I didn't know. And everybody did. And, and it was like, they were so like, the energy was so hyped around it. And I was like, wow, I got to learn this quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, I think the, the relevance um, of, of representing it the best that we can is that, you know, it, it kind of makes it last longer in a way. Like if we get super unspecific about it so quick, then it gets really watered down and you never really encounter the experience of that, that culture. You never really hmm. encounter it if we keep watering it down, you know, and especially if you're not, you know, directly from there, it's like, you kind of have to do your due diligence and make sure, you know, um, you're giving it the best that you got because some people that might be their only encounter with it, you know, for those that it is their culture, you want to make sure they come away and feel like, yes, that was my culture being represented. I'm, you're not just pimping my name and saying, this is going to be something Nigerian and just, to, you know, mm-hmm. have a hook, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you have to really, go there because the purpose is so that people will encounter it and and there might be a generosity of spirit the next time they you know meet somebody from that culture they might feel a little bit more connected we all feel a little bit more connected uh when we do that and and we there's accuracy to it and people appreciate that mm-hmm. oh i love that mm-hmm. and when at what point of your life then did did theater come into play right when did you start having the desire to to perform 
I've lived my whole life on stage. Don't. No, I, <laughs> I always wanted to be dramatic. one of those divas. Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to be one of those. I, I'm not that. Trust me. Um, but uh, I'm I'm the least dramatic person you want to know in life. I'm just not. I think I actually really do save it all for this stage, and not the most. I don't know. Emotionally expressive. I don't. I don't know that I'm those things. You know. And so maybe theater is, is like my expression and my way of kind of encountering that in a, in a more visceral way. Um, but I started doing it in high school, I want to say. And then in, when I went to college, I started, um, I thought I was going to be an English major. And then I, I quickly switched to, <laughs> to acting because I was so depressed. You know, I was like, oh, my God, yeah, I'm too depressed. You know what I mean? Something's wrong. Mm. And I switched over to, to being an acting major. And and that's when it started. And even then, you kind of had to wait to be on the stage if you're a freshman. You weren't able to take stage. So we created our own productions and things like that to to um, to fulfill our fill our longing to be on stage. But um, so I've, I've always trained in theater. I trained in theater way more than anything. I don't think I, I trained in film or TV, I, like f- any formal training. But mm-hmm. um, all my formal training came in theater. Wow. So you went to college. That's that's interesting to me that you went to college as an English major. And then you said your freshman year. So it was right away mm-hmm. that, that you decided that English may being an English it major wasn't working out. It wasn't working were you, out. Would you think, do you think you were, you were actually clinically depressed at that time or like just kind of using that hyperbole as, as I, like no, I did, I so, something wasn't right? I don't, I don't know. You know, I wouldn't know what my, uh, you know, what the chemical balance was at that time, but I was really like, I was in the bed. I didn't want to come out. You know mm. what I mean? I was, yeah, yeah. I can remember that. I can remember feeling really down and like, this isn't right. And to this day, I encourage young people. I encourage my nieces, my nephews, like make sure if you're going to dedicate time to something, it's something that you want to do. And if you feel like it's not, it's okay to change it. You know, I, I, I really try to alleviate people that pressure because it, it you know, it's crazy, you know, to tell your parents like, okay, I'm being, uh, you know, uh, uh, acting major and by the way my minor is like dance you know what I mean I'm saying this is like it's like Jamaican you know what I mean like I'm parents of, I'm the daughter of immigrants like no you know what I'm saying like what, what is that gonna do but like you know but bless my parents like once, once they saw me do it they were like oh yeah go ahead and do that there is something about doing the, the thing that you love that you know all that serotonin and stuff that you were talking about and all the things that make us feel good Mm-hmm. That you and I are not going to quote because we're not the scientists. We don't lead that to science. <laughs> you know, we're the actors. But like, it's like that's those the endorphins and all that. That that's the stuff that's being given off, and it it makes a difference in what you do. And if you're going to dedicate time to something, even if it stresses you, it can still be a joy. It can still be something that you that you look forward to doing. It's not like I do this without stress. The rehearsal yeah. process, the tech process. You're saying you, you were doing tech into previews for Mary Wives. Way like, into previews. Yeah. That's yeah. stressful. But I'm sure you still just enjoyed the shit out of it and mm-hmm. and looked forward to it because it's it makes us oh god it, it makes us whole. I think there are so many so many ways to get lost and distracted, especially mm-hmm. now when you're just like walking around looking down at you know this little computer in your pocket, right? Exactly. And and just to, to put it all away and experience one of the oldest traditions that m- truly makes us human as mm-hmm. as a species. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like that's yeah. that that is that is something to me that's immeasurable. You cannot beat this experience. I mean, our, our brains are are evolved to tell stories. That's who look, we are look, as, as a herd. I'll tell you what, Alan. If you said that before the pandemic, people would have thought you were talking in hyperbole, right? But <laughs> right. But now the pandemic happened, and it's actually like it's a true fact. Like when we mm-hmm. say that, we weren't lying. You know, it's like life without the arts is not living. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? You got to have that there. You have to have that communal experience there. It's I mean, what did everybody do? Our essential workers? Absolutely. You know, we needed groceries. We needed groceries. We needed toilet paper and we needed Netflix. You tell me, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? You tell me that we we weren't on the essential list. I feel like I was on the essential list, you know? So I, I don't think that that's, we can deny deny that anymore. When you know, you have, it's a really a real part of it. You have an industry. I agree with you. You have an industry, especially in in New York City, that is a multi billion with a B dollar industry mm-hmm. to to bring in tourists and for the, the theater and the hotels and the shows and the carriage rides and the museums mm-hmm. and everything <laughs> people do when they come in just for theater. Right? They're doing right. other things while they're here and they're eating and they're sleeping and mm-hmm. whatever. That that. That is, I was going to say it's an immeasurable sort of thing, but that's a lie. It is definitely measurable because, and because literally we're like billions with a B. Right. It's a measurable industry that people have to have. People come from all over the world to come to the Mecca of theater, which is mm-hmm. New York City. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you just have these actors getting blamed. I saw so many threads on Twitter, the one of the most heinous places on, on the planet. Um, <laughs> and yes, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is just like, uh, I saw someone going after an actor, a Broadway actor friend of mine that was, that was saying something about, why can't you guys just go back to work? You're choosing not to work. You guys are all just lazy actors. Oof. Oof. And just mean and sp- Fightful wow. kind of stuff that is complete lack of understanding of mm-hmm. how little choice actors actually get about how and when they work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Ay, ay, ay. Wow. Uh, Shots are fired. You know what I mean? On, on theater. <laughs> and, you know, on Twitter. And you can't, you know, when people don't understand things you know and don't understand the true nature of things like i told you i'm not big into the drama off stage so you know for mm-hmm. me i i'd have had to be like delete i'm, I'm moving on <laughs> but like but it's because there's a certain amount of you can tell that person just doesn't know they just don't know they don't have mm-hmm. the knowledge or they're trying to start something you never know mm-hmm. but i i do think that people really don't like they look at it like but you guys are just having fun. Like your job is fun. You know what I mean? And, and people don't know, know it's work. It's a, it's a real job. It's a whole experience. Um, you have to get a job, you know, you have to train times, for the job. you have to train for a job and you have to get a job more times in life than any other person in this life. You know what I mean? Most people mm-hmm. get a job and they keep a job for five years or for 10 years. People retire after 35 years from that one job. You know what I mean? Like, we got to get a job for theater folks every couple months. You got to get a job. You're you know looking for saying? your next job while you're in your current job. While you're in your current job. So there should be an award for that, Mr. Twitter man, <laughs> wherever he's at. 
<laughs> yeah, you hear that, Mr. Twitter man? Right. Yeah, seriously. No, it's funny. It, it, and yeah, you just assume, these people just assume, they're like, yeah, I'm just going to show up and I'll do my thing. And, mm-hmm. and oh, I just choose not to work because of pandemic. You think Olympians just show up <laughs> and they're like, I'm going to run fast today. Right. Right. Like you're doing nothing in downtown. You think actors are just choosing, yeah, health insurance in a pandemic? Meh. Yeah. I don't need yeah. it. You know, yeah. no, we have to, they have to work for health insurance, good sir. You know what I'm saying? And like all these things that come along with it um, are there. So like I said, you know, some people just, they don't know, man. They don't know. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up with the three standard closing questions that okay. I ask everyone on these episodes. Mm-hmm. The first one, just very simply, is what motivates you? Wow. What motivates me? In, in what? Like just period in life? Yeah. Or like to, for, for like, acting? Um, no, in life. Like, why do you, why do you wake up in the morning? Oh, oh, deep philosophy. Okay. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) I have not really, I think the chance to another, another shot. I think hope, hope motivates me to tell you the truth. Ooh, I like that. You know what I I mean? Yeah. I'm a very spiritual person. So like, you know, I get my, my prayer on my, you know, meditation and, and all that uh, stuff. And I make sure I try to fill myself with the good things in the morning, but the hope of something, another possibility of something else wonderful happening or something else that is part of my purpose happening, that motivates me. Oh yeah. The, the excitement of the unknown. I like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. All right. So the next question is what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Be easy on yourself. Be easy on yourself and do it. Do what makes you feel joy. Like discover your superpower. Like what is the thing that when you are in that sweet spot, you, you, you're just, you're, you're in your groove. Like for me, it's when I have joy, right? Hmm. Um, I've seen other people, you know, it can be different from one person to the next, but um, discover your superpower and lean into it and relish it. Know that it's special. Know that it's unique. Know that, you know, the world needs whatever you're trying to give. What is your and superpower? Mine is joy. I, mine is joy. Is bringing joy. No, not bringing it. It's when I have it, there is a different energy. So it's sort of that thing that you have that gives you the strength to do the thing that you do in the most optimal way, in mm. your most unique, special way. And for me, when I inhabit joy on the inside, the thing that I'm doing comes out in only a way that I feel that I can do it. That feels like the energy behind it is the best energy I could give it. And so for, for you know, from person to person, that could be something different. But mm-hmm. I would just say to people like, uh, especially if you're young, discover what it is so that you can carry it with you into a room and know wherever you go, you can carry that thing with you. I love that. So the last question, and this is super hard. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? And is this one play? Anything, anything you would like. Oh, wow. One? Oh, One show, one show. You're stuck on a desert island with power and a DVD player. What are you watching? Oh, man. Well, I know it's going to be one of these Eddie Murphy films. Um, (laughs) It's it's probably, it's either going to be Boomerang or Coming to America. I was going to say, Coming to America is one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. The first one. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be one of yeah. those. They're they're yeah, just yeah. fantastic classics. I'm mm, going to go with it. a classic and say that. Yes, I like it. All mm-hmm. right, so everyone, check the show notes for the link to get tickets and more information for Merry Wives. And then where else can we connect with you? Where can we find you on social media? Okay, at, on Twitter, which is our favorite, right, Alan? Mm-hmm. As, I'm going to be at Eskelechi Watson, Eskelechi. K-E-L-E-C-H-I Watson. And on Instagram, I'm Susan Kelechi Watson. And I am Susan Kelechi Watson on Facebook. Wonderful. And I am online at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast on Facebook slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. And thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Susan, thank you most of all. I have really enjoyed this chat. Thank you Me very too. much. Thanks, Alan. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.